With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Suffering succotage. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Morgan loads it up. Down the middle. Wide right Johnson. Tyler Johnson. Touchdown. Not necessarily a need to do that. Morgan, end zone. That would have been a wild grab for Johnson, but he was out of bounds. Oh, no! They say touchdown! Well, he sure is consistent. And people say, hey, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. 12 catches, 204 yards, two touchdowns, and everybody's going to look at that game. Every NFL scout, every NFL wide receiver coach, every GM, every president, every owner is going to watch that game. That's the one they're going to watch. They're going to watch that one. They're going to show some others. They're going to show the big ones, the ranked teams. And look what he just did. I mean, he's going to be a great asset to any program. He works really hard. Um, he's a team guy. He's a culture guy. And he's, he's unique. And he's trained in a very unique program and culture. And the best advice I gave, I gave him is be you and be the culture. And you will stand out like a sore thumb in a positive way in the National Football League. And when you stand out in a positive way in the National Football League, people love that. That was uh, PJ Fleck talking about Judd Zolgad, actually. I stand uh, out. Standing out. I stand like out a like a sore thumb, thumb yep. but maybe not in a positive yeah. way. How many cups of coffee does that guy have? Judd, Judd or PJ? Yeah. PJ Fleck over I the course of a day. I don't think he drinks coffee. I get tired just hearing him talk. I think people. Uh, I think people just. I think people use PJ Fleck as their source of coffee. <laughs> is what happens. And uh, the Gophers did that in their biggest win since the 1960s yesterday. And we don't ordinarily do this. At least I'm, I'm saying we because I feel like it's it's a we situation here. But we'll see if if both of us can be noble or not. Judd Zolgad deserves an apology off the start of the show here. An apology from myself, Phil Mackey, and Rami Makloff. Are you ready, Rami? <sighs> wow. I mean, he deserves it. Wow. We went through this today on Scored Earth Live. He deserves it. That doesn't mean we have to give it to him. People don't get things they deserve all the time, yeah. Phil. You guys didn't believe like I, I believed. Like, I feel like we owe it to Judd Zolgad. You guys didn't believe. To go back about a month when uh, the Gophers got beat by Wisconsin and we're sort of picking up all the pieces that they left on the floor in the Big Ten and they failed to get to the Big Ten championship game. And Judd said, bring on the best teams in the SEC. I want Alabama. I want Auburn. Yeah, I did. And Rami and I well, said... Well, if it was Alabama, this would, this would be a whole different story. We wouldn't be sitting here today saying we owe Judd an apology. I don't know about that after yesterday. What, what, wait a second. What do you mean by that? If this was Alabama, 
What do you mean by that? They would have come through here and run right over. Really? Well, not through here. I but don't know. Wherever the Outback Bowl is. I legitimately don't know where the Outback Bowl is. Uh, Tampa. Tampa? Okay. And they would have run right through P.J. Fleck and the Minnesota Gophers. I don't think oh, so. After what I, I saw yesterday. True. Come on. I think Auburn, Auburn's really good. Auburn's one of the top 10 teams in the country. Auburn has beat Oregon, which just won the Rose Bowl. Auburn beat Alabama uh, in a in a shootout that went up over 90 combined points. Mm-hmm. And I said a month ago, and you agree with me, Rami, mm-hmm. the Gophers don't want that smoke. That's true. The Gophers, you're better off with like a Tennessee. Just right. somebody, just get a little feel-good win to end your season. Get that 11th win. I believe that was a quote. They don't want that smoke. No. None of that smoke. None of that smoke. Well, they got the smoke, and then they delivered the smoke right up the keisters <laughs> of Auburn football players and Gus Malzahn yesterday. Punched them right in the face, and didn't just, they? I am Punched sorry. them right in the face. I am sorry for uh, poking at that take and saying that you don't want that smoke. Mm-hmm. You asked for the smoke. You got it. And the Gophers delivered. I was wrong. You were right. It's up to Rami if he wants to go that far. Jed, you're right. How much better do you guys now feel, too, about this program? So, you know, you beat the Volunteers. Big deal. Yesterday, how much better now? Game changer. As we embark, as the 2019 season comes to an end, do you feel about this program? And the Wisconsin loss, yeah, it still stings a little bit, but boy, it sure doesn't feel the same now to me. I felt good about this program as far as the season went as is before, before we even went into that bowl game. I felt good about the Minnesota Gophers program, and I'm not one, whether we're talking about a bowl, which, let's be honest, the Outback Bowl is meaningless. I've said this before. If it's not a playoff game, it's a meaningless bowl game. The only purpose it really serves is making rich people richer. So you you think the Rose Bowl is meaningless? You think Pointless. You, you think all non-playoff I've, games are meaningless? Other than Minnesota yesterday, I've spent zero minutes watching bowl games in the month of December and into well, January. you're just missing out. Zero. That's do, on you. Do you think a, a win over Auburn is meaningless, though? Because that's the real question here. I don't think it's meaningless, but what I was just about to say is whether we're talking about a bowl game like we saw yesterday or whether we're talking about who the greatest quarterback is and people want to weigh Super Bowl rings, which at the end of the day is one football game played after 19 or 20 were played that season, God knows how many over the course of a career. I'm not somebody who's going to say that one game changes a whole lot of anything. The, this season... For, don't watch the Vikings this, on Sunday, buddy. This season for the Gophers, <laughs> I think, changed things for that program. With or without that game that we saw yesterday, I think this season changed things for the Gophers program. They took it... P.J. Fleck took that step, that took that program one huge step forward. I don't think that's because of yesterday. I think that's because of the total resume of the season capped off by what happened. Just yesterday. quickly though, if so, if they had gone to the Outback Bowl and gotten drilled, are you still saying you feel great? I still feel pretty good about this season. Yeah, because See, this changes my because of a lot. what we were saying going into this. Day, you don't even want that smoke. I didn't expect them. I didn't really expect them to 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 win that football game. Yeah, but the the fact that they did win it, it's not the biggest upset. In the world, and I don't think it necessarily changes the way that the college football world is looking at Minnesota. See, I think it validates a lot of things. I think I think the Penn State win raised a lot of eyebrows around the country because leading up to that Penn State game, the talk was mostly about the week schedule and how you haven't played your non conference schedule was weak. You beat Penn State, and all of a sudden now, oh okay, people are starting to look over at what PJ Flex building over here, and that's what led to College Game Day eventually coming to town for the first time since the show launched in the mid-1990s. Then you lose to Iowa, and then you lose to Wisconsin, 
And I'm not saying you're like back to square one with the program and going back to when P.J. Fleck took it over, but I think it when you lose to Iowa and Wisconsin, it I think it validated the opinions of people that said, well, I mean, the only reason the Gophers were in that position is because they had a weak schedule, implying that the win against Penn State was the aberration, not the other way around. When you beat, and let's just, let, I'll go down the path with you and say, like, the, okay, bowl games and the pomp and everything about bowl games, overhyped. If it's not a playoff game, I'm mostly with you in that regard. I'm not super glued to bowl games. But a game against an engaged Auburn team, and I think Auburn's one of the top 10 teams in the country, they're ranked 12th. If you beat an engaged Auburn team on a neutral field in the way that the Gophers did, now that's sort of a stamp on top of the entire season. I think if you were a Minnesota doubter before yesterday, and I'm not, but if you were, I don't think that yesterday necessarily changed your mind. You still go, okay, one game. They won one game that they probably shouldn't have. Here's where I disagree. It's how they won. If they won by three and they were lucky as hell, I'd be like, okay, that's a nice win, but, 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 but. But they went in against an SEC really, really good team. So we're talking near near the best, not the best probably, but near the best, and they punched them, and they punched them again, and they threw an early pick, and you said to yourself, oh, boy, this is bad. And then they tied the score, and then they give give up, what, a 96-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. You go, oh, boy, this is bad. And the Gophers punch back to the point of where in the second half of that game, they had Auburn consistently up against the ropes. Yeah. To me, that's why that one game impresses me, because the Wisconsin loss was an ugly loss, a bad loss, and caused me to doubt things. And if you barely came back and beat Auburn, I might be like, okay, that's a nice win, but I can find flaws there. But when you come out against a really good opponent like that, and you're punching and punching and punching, and they're finally staggered, that's one game that impresses me a lot. I I can't dismiss it. I would also say this, too. P.J. Fleck has been sort of putting himself on this national map and, and bringing national attention to this program incrementally for the last three years and going outside of your conference silo to stand toe to toe with one of the other national powers out there, Auburn, and to punch them. I also think it moves him forward too, in terms of recruiting and, and, and and whether like, whether you read much into the game in terms of what that one game should have meant to a full season's body of work. um, I'll even go down that path with you, Rami. But if we're looking for things that help the Gophers get, one or two better recruits, a four-star guy that they wouldn't have ordinarily gotten. I think Tyler Johnson going off for 200 yards and Rashad Bateman showing that he's an NFL-caliber player and doing that against Auburn in a national platform, uh, ESPN, right? I think those things still matter a lot in recruiting. And so yesterday, to me, moved the bar forward or moved the bar up uh, in, a, in a recruiting sense. Maybe a small, Maybe a small notch. Incrementally, maybe the bar was moved up. But I don't think that it it did it did more than than this season did. When you say that one game changed everything for this program, I just think that's a little bit exaggerated and a little bit of hyperbole. Yeah, I don't. I don't. The reason I disagree with that is because if you lose that game, now the aberration is the Penn State game. Let me make it it was a, just a lucky win against Penn State. Let me make an analogy. Let's say let's say you're a guy trying to lose weight, right? And you're measuring There's it. Nobody like that in this, <laughs> on this show. You're measuring it by the notches on your belt, right? And you get like six notches down. 
Like, you should be happy about six, not the, the six notches, that whole journey, that whole trial. Not the, you don't get the seventh one. You go, holy crap, I got that seventh well, notch in my belt. I, I would say this. As guys, I think everyone in this room has gone through the ups and downs. Yes, to try actually, to lose no, yeah, right? actually, I disagree because the most frustrating thing in weight loss is what? The plateau, right? Correct. And so there gets to be that next notch. You're like, oh my God, I finally got Because yeah. for three weeks, you didn't lose a pound. Yeah. This is like how many times? <laughs> Auburn is that plateau. Every time I go out and my goal is to, all right, I'm going to lose 20 or 30 pounds. And I and I, I would say about 50% of the time the last 10 years that I decide, I'm going I'm to lose X amount of weight. Yeah. I bet about 500. Okay, that's good. And what happens is, the reason why I always go back is because like I get all right, three months down the road and uh, all right I feel pretty good I'm gonna start mixing wings back in mixing pizza back in I don't really need to work out like then I go back the other way so the Auburn game was that three month period where all right feeling pretty good it's great gotten to this point before um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get some blackened buffalo wings tonight and yep. maybe uh, mm. maybe pound some French fries and then tomorrow night blue I'm gonna get some too. Chinese food yeah oh yeah. give me that blue cheese oh. wipe it all away oh. That's what getting smoked by Auburn looks like. But beating Auburn is saying, you know what? I kind of crave some wings and some uh, deep-fried cheese curds tonight, but I'm going to have a salad. That's right. That's the weight loss. I think you just lost. I think if you passed on the wings and cheese curds, you just lost. (laughs) (laughs) But but you know when you're losing weight and, and you get to, like, let's say, 215, and then it's so hard to get below 215, that's what Auburn is to me. They got below that, and you're like, oh, my gosh. I, I can't tell you, as somebody who's watched this program for a long, long time, how rare, and basically in my lifetime, it, it's not just rare, it hasn't happened, to beat a team like that and to do it like that. Yep. that that's the thing that I keep going back to. Look at how they won that game. They, they, were, they were punched a couple times early, and go-for teams typically go away then. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what... Um, that's what Flex said to his credit after the Wisconsin game. He's like, we're not going back. And even I was thinking to myself, okay, dude, but you just did. You lost by 21. Like, you got schooled. Uh, and he said, we're not going back. And then the most important thing was, in that game, they showed it. He's one of the best college football coaches so, in the country. And I, and, I, and, I, and I would have said that before the Auburn game, too. But the Auburn game is just another chapter in that story or that narrative. If you look at how he turned Western Michigan around from being irrelevant and a doormat in the MAC, for God's sakes, like they were getting smoked on Tuesday night during Maction games. And they went to a cotton bowl. Four years later, yeah. they were undefeated in the regular season, went toe to toe with Wisconsin in the cotton bowl. Okay, prove it in a big conference. Okay. Three years, takes over the program. Three, now he didn't take over a, a, like a Rutgers level garbage program, but he took over a mediocre program with not a whole lot in terms of like he didn't ever really have a quarterback when he took over the program. And three years in, three years in, they are legitimately one of the 15 best programs in the country right now. And I think, I just pulled up a list of the top 25, like the college football playoff rankings going into, I think, into bowl season, okay? I think all but like maybe 10 or 12 programs, if the money was equal, would swap out their current coach for P.J. Fleck. And I want to go through this experiment with you guys real quick here. Is it fair to assume that anyone outside of the top 25 right now, even some of the bigger programs, like Texas A&M is a, is a big program, but they're outside the top 25, that any team outside the top 25 rankings right now would likely be 
a little bit disgruntled with their coach and would swap their coach out for PJ Fleck. Is Aaron, Arizona State in the top twenty-five? Because I don't think they're giving. I don't think they're trading Herm Edwards for PJ. Herm Fleck. just got a big bowl win. Yeah, man. he did. All right, so that might. So so they're outside the top twenty-five. Okay. I think they would trade out Herm Edwards. You think for so? PJ Fleck. I don't know because they would. Herm Edwards is like seventy years That's old. That's a big name. That's a guy who like coached 70. in the NFL was on ESPN for like ten years. They were seven and five this season too. I know. Oh, I know. But if if you I love if great. you went to them with PJ Fleck and, and said this is your guy for the next five years, money's equal. They trade in a second. I think they because he's going to be there for a long time. I mean, Herm, Herm does bring the reason why they hired Herm is nat- national attention Cache. and yeah. he's ESPN. also a good coach. Yeah, and they and they're like they've had a couple nice wins. But outside of that, right. unless anyone has an obvious like, whoa, you're forgetting about you know. <laughs> Les Miles is great at Kansas or whatever. No, like Kansas would swap out Les Miles for P.J. Fleck. All right, so let's just start from 25. You stop me when we get to a team that absolutely would not trade out their current coaching situation or program situation for P.J. Fleck. All right. Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy with that weird mullet, 8-4. and four. They've had him around for like 15 years. He has a man. He's, he's 40. Not, and now he's like 50. Yeah, now he's I was like going to say, that's 10 years ago. He's not 40 so. anymore. No. I'm an old man. <laughs> they swap him out. Yeah, they swap probably. him out. Oh right. yeah, yeah, I'd swap out. Yeah, Virginia. Can you put Leach's? Uh, can you put his mullet on PJ Flex's head? Well, I like Seth, that. Mike Gundy's mullet. Have at it. Yes, we need Seth to do that Photoshop. Yeah, Seth, uh, if you could put a mullet. I on bet, PJ, I bet PJ had a flow at one time. <laughs> I bet he did it one time. I could totally see Actually, that. Actually, Chris Long from Channel Five went down to his old high school. Huh. Uh, PJ's old high school, and there's like photos on the wall. He always had the shortcut, but he definitely had some salad up top at one point. He could have some flow. Yeah. Uh, Virginia, Navy, or Cincinnati? I don't know who their coaches are. I'm going to say they would all take they PJ all take Fleck. They all take PJ yeah, Fleck, probably. right? right. Could you imagine 25. PJ Fleck at Navy? Actually, yes. I yeah, could. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> it might work perfectly. Just right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Southern California, USC. They're openly like oh, looking Clay for a coach right now. Well, they kept right Clay now, right? Helton, which I don't get. Yeah, so but yes, they, they, they would swap Clay Helton yes. for P.J. Fleck immediately. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. they didn't swap. Again, I'm not saying that they wouldn't like rather have Urban Meyer. I'm saying would they swap their current right, coach current for P.J. Fleck, okay? Yeah. Appalachian State or Memphis, both in the top 20. They would definitely take P.J. Fleck. Both would take P.J. Mm-hmm. Fleck, right? Who is Appalachian State's coach? I mean, it must if be a fine knows, young man. you get a prize. Must be a fine coach. Yep. Okay. Uh, Boise State twelve and one. They go twelve and one every year, and they're ranked eighteenth. I actually don't know if they would because they they're not. pretty comfortable. Yeah, just keep going twelve and one. That blue field too. If I'm Fleck, I want no part of the blue field. That's an yeah. Ugly, but if you're rowing the boat, and the field's blue. That's it's like true. It's like water. That's perfect. That's actually <laughs> just a perfect. Like water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Now we're like now we're into the top sixteen here. Iowa. I think they say goodbye to Kirk Ferentz and say hello to PJ. That's Fleck. a good question on that one. I think that's I think they get so mad at Kirk Ferentz, and then like once every five years, he wins ten or eleven games and makes it all good again. I think they swap him out. I don't know. Okay, we'll put him in the I don't know category. Yeah, I think that's a maybe. I, I don't know. Okay, so we got a maybe there and an Arizona State maybe. So we have two. Okay, Notre Dame in a heartbeat, and I'm a Notre Dame guy. In a heartbeat, they hope, trade out Brian Kelly for. You better hope PJ they don't Flash. get that chance, my man. I know they might at some point. That's yeah. That's a, that's a perfect place for. For a PJ Flack. Yeah. It's also one of the few places I think he would consider. I think that's which the place. is a conversation of the day. Yes. Uh Mich- would Michigan swap out Jim Harbaugh for PJ Flack right now? I think Michigan fans would. I think they would strongly consider it, yeah. I think that's definitely. Mm-hmm. I think they are disillusioned and maybe rightfully so. Okay. Uh Alabama's not swapping out Nick Saban yet, anyways. But I'll make that trade. Now we said this earlier. Auburn has Gus Malzahn, and someone called into 
the Score North Gopher show earlier, and like from an Auburn message board, saying that there was a bunch of chatter, like 90% of people on the Auburn message board on Reddit or something would swap out Gus Malzahn for P.J. Fleck. So I'm going to take their word for it okay. and say that they also would swap their coach for P.J. Fleck. They're mad. Uh, Utah, I think this is where you start to draw a line here. Utah, Penn State, a lot of, lot of good things Penn happening. Penn State, I'm James saying no. James Franklin's Penn State, not. I'm saying no. Uh, Florida is back on the rise again. Yep. I don't think Wisconsin trades out. Paul Christ, nope. uh, Baylor, Oregon, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU. So I'm going to say that all of them are content. Did you just read a final eight? Nine. Okay. Basically, well, uh, actually, um, it's 11. It's 11. Okay. So 11, only 11 schools by that exercise would keep their current coaching situation over P.J. Fleck. And I think the Auburn game helps solidify that, too. So that's where I'm at with it. I, I can't disagree with you. I heard you say it today on the Score North Gophers show while I was driving in from the dentist with my numbed up mouth. And I, I, at first I was like, I don't know. That seems kind of crazy. Say P.J. Fleck. As a top 10, top 15 coach in the country. Like coveted. Yeah, seems like a little bit far-fetched. But when we go through that exercise, I think you probably have, you're probably have you probably onto something. Well, there. what's he really good at? Recruiting is, marketing. is really good. Marketing, really good. I think his scheme, his offensive scheme, is really good. The only weakness that I've seen is in-game coaching at times. But everything else, and that, that offense is really impressive. So if you were to look at his um, his attributes and deficiencies, I see one deficiency, and he's young. It can be fixed. It's not like, oh, my gosh, he's never going to know how to call yeah. a timeout. So if you look at, at his age, and I think he's what? He's going to be 40 next year? Or Fleck? This year? I think he's 39 right now. Yeah, he's definitely not he 40 is. now. Okay. So if we're talking about a coach who's that age right now, who's that accomplished, yeah, it, he is... He has done, I, I would have, I thought probably if he was ever going to have the success he's had here so far, I thought probably year five. And he's in year three? Yeah. I mean, seriously. like some, It's impressive. Imagine posing, so his introductory press conference was three years ago. This is his third year. Imagine someone at that press conference saying, hey, this is going to, so I'm not going to tell you when, but the Gophers are going to go 11-2, and two, and in that 11-2 and two run, they're going to beat two top 12 teams including one in a New Year's Day bowl game. What year will that happen? How many years into the program will P.J. Fleck be before that happens? I wasn't going to say year three. Zero chance. I don't think almost anybody would say that. Year five, maybe, like Judd just said. But going back to those qualities that Judd talked about of what P.J. Fleck is good at and recruiting and marketing are at the top of the list, isn't that, aren't those the most important traits for a college yes. football coach? More than anything you can do with X's and O's and play calling. I heard the other day they were talking about um, Urban Meyer potentially getting the Cowboys job. But I think today they decided that they're keeping Jason Garrett. Wait, is, is that a thing now? I think I saw that He's today. met with him nine times. Yeah, he they keeps, met for the third time today, and, and I, th- I think they're keeping him. I think they're <laughs> keeping Jason Garrett. But they were talking about Urban Meyer potentially taking that Cowboys job. I think it was on Get Up. And across the panel, unanimously, they were like, this won't work. Urban Meyer isn't a good football coach. He's not, he's not, he's, they all said he's not a good football coach in terms of what he does on the sidelines or what he does in a practice. He's a great recruiter and he's a great marketer. That's what made him a great college football coach. That stuff doesn't matter at the NFL level, but it matters more than anything at the college level. So PJ Fleck, having those two things down, having mastered the recruiting and marketing, 
is exactly what this program needed, and it's exactly what you look for in a college football head coach. Yeah, and then you hire smart people to scheme exactly. and drop plays. But I think he can scheme. I think he schemes. I, I think that, that there's a lot of things about him that we don't talk about. Yeah, and, and the one thing where I would say his skills are transferable is I think his ability to scheme is impressive. And I think that that's impressive in college, and it strikes me as I'm not saying that this would work for sure, but he he would have a chance in the pros because he's got that offensive scheme is really solid. It's pretty doggone, and it's going to produce two NFL wide receivers. One that's going to be drafted, I think, around higher than wherever he was projected to go forty eight hours ago. Tyler Johnson. How about that catch yesterday? Ridiculous. And the photos are all coming out. Star Tribune has a photo because the camera angles didn't really give you a great. I thought he was out of bounds. There are photos from the sideline. There's an inch or two of room. He absolutely had his foot in bounds on one of the great catches of the season. Uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. little sage football wisdom here shortly. But Steve and Shorewood, you are on the show. Thanks for calling, Steve. Hey, guys. Congratulations, Phil. Your Gophers had a heck of a season. I will caution Gopher fans, however. Pat Fitzgerald was in the Rose Bowl last year. So it's, it's, it's easier to jump up than to stay up, and with the exception of Ohio State and to a lesser degree Wisconsin, most of these programs don't stay up. You know, Iowa's had some success. They put 49 on USC. I was at that game. Penn State's going to be up there. But Jeff Brom's Purdue team this next year, I'm not going to say they're going to be a surprise team, but that's going to be a tough beat. they got a bunch of guys back. They've got the All-American kick returner, wide receiver, runner, uh, so we'll see whether Fleck can maintain this. He's in the West, so it's easier. But the real goal should be win the Big Ten championship. And yeah. uh, a second-tier Jan 1 bowl is fine. And he won an Outback Bowl. Ference has won three of them. But uh, you, you got to win the Big Ten. That's hey, the ultimate goal. Would, we'll see if they do it. Would you trade uh, the next five years, would you trade Ference for Fleck, money even? No, I'd no, Ferentz has got his son. He's got a good staff. He's got one of the best defensive coordinators in Phil Parker in the country. They've got great facilities. They've got nine starters on offense and seven starters on defense coming back. Yeah, they, they lose the quarterback, who I think will make an NFL roster, and they lose a, a, an All-American left tackle. But in the next five years, uh, I'd take Iowa. We'll see. Steve, thank you for calling. We appreciate you when you call the show. Um, I would say... This is the biggest difference between the Gophers and, let's say, Northwestern. So Northwestern, they at Northwestern season last year was super weird. They lost, I think, they lost their first four games non-conference, and then they like ran the table the rest of the way or something goofy. So it, it was an eight and four season or something uh, that wa- that wound up leading to a better bowl game because of how well they performed in their division in their conference. But when you get to a new level at Northwestern. And you open up the recruiting. Hey, all right, look at us. We're in the Rose Bowl. Recruit, recruit, recruit. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the academic standards are so much higher at Northwestern. And they're higher now at Minnesota than they were maybe 20 years ago. But the academic standards are so much higher that even if you wanted to get certain players in, it's it's tough from certain parts of the country. Uh, the Gophers are going to be able to capitalize on whatever the next recruiting wave is right. much more easily than Northwestern was. So that's where I would squash that argument. Northwestern strikes me as a program that can pop up but has no chance to sustain continually because of that. The Gophers actually do have, it sounds nuts because it's been a long time since it certainly happened, but the Gophers do have the opportunity to sustain. And by that, 
There is no reason to go back to what we've talked about for years now. There is no reason why the Gophers can't be Iowa and Wisconsin. That that type of team, which is, are you going to be great every year? Probably not. Can you consistently compete? Absolutely. Northwestern spikes upwards, goes down. Spikes upwards, goes down. But if the Gophers, if they now get to a place that I think we're comfortable with, they're going to be, they should be relevant continually. And also, Pat Fitzgerald is going to try to tell 18 to 20-year-olds to put down their phones and stop playing video games. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of hard to recruit when you're doing that. Yeah, Where true. P.J. Fleck is kind of cool with you being a young man. Yeah, just uh, yeah. be yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, Mackie and Jeb with Rami, we're back at full strength. Happy New Year, everyone. We appreciate you listening. Uh, whether you just discovered us in the last few days or months or whether you've been listening for a long time, we appreciate it. And we would also appreciate if you would give our podcast a five-star review on Apple or Spotify and leave a comment as to why you either uh, love or hate us. And uh, we'd appreciate if you give our, our Score North app a download. It's free, and you can find it in the Apple or Android stores on your mobile devices. The number to call is 651-646-8255. And when we come back, our football-loving journeyman quarterback friend Sage Rosenfels will join for some Sage football wisdom and previewing Vikings and Saints after we talk about my favorite car dealership, that would be Luther Brookdale Toyota, where the people are friendly and knowledgeable. They explain things very clearly to uh, idiots like me who don't really know anything about cars. They give honest assessments when it comes to service, no BS, and they're very fair with their pricing, too. You don't have to feel insecure if you're like me. You're not really a car guy, and uh, you've got questions. You're going to trade in. You're going to buy something new. You have something to be fixed with your vehicle. Uh, it's, uh, it's a very comforting and uh, welcoming environment. Just stop in. Open until 9 o'clock tonight, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard. As far as the cars, well, Toyotas are some of the most durable vehicles in the world. There's a reason why 80% of Toyotas that were on the road 20 years ago are still on the road today. And the newer vehicles come with state-of-the-art safety features and state-of-the-art built-in technology as well. Again, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. We are Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We all remember uh, as we head into this weekend and the Vikings take on the Saints down in New Orleans, wild card round of the playoffs. Remember what happened last time these two teams played each other in the playoffs? And steps into it. Passes. That well, uh, Mike Zimmer asked was asked yesterday in the in his press conference whether that moment, whether thinking about that moment gives him warm, fuzzy feelings or what he thinks about it. And well, he was pretty short with his answer. Come on, man. We're concentrating on the Saints this week. We don't care about three years ago or whatever it was. Okay, duly noted. One guy who is thinking about the Vikings coming up this weekend, Cam Jordan. Forum, the Saints saying this about what he expects to see on the field. The issue of knowing what type of Dalvin Cook you're going to get. What do you think on that right. front? The issue of knowing what Kirk Cousins you're going to get. What do you mean um, by that, Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> At times, you know, he, he looks to be a, a very proficient yes. uh, quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and at other times, maybe not so much. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm going to stick to the first, first statement. <laughs> oh, man, you are you are one of a kind, sir. Certainly is. That'll be 
something to look forward to this weekend. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right, welcome back. Mackie and Judd with Rami. All new Score North and the Score North app. And uh, every Thursday at this time, 4.30, we talk to our football-loving friend and journeyman NFL quarterback, former Vikings quarterback, Sage Rosenfels. And uh, where where have your travels taken you to uh, on this day after New Year's, Sage? Well, uh, I'm trying to think. Since the uh, Packers game last week, uh, I was in Iowa City visiting my parents with my kids, and I brought my son down to Miami for a few days. Uh, enjoying some of the sun here, and then tonight I'm flying to Denver uh, to, to train some of these college quarterbacks, uh, getting ready for their, you know, senior uh, senior bowl and NFLPA bowl, and obviously the combine coming up at the end of February. So uh, my traveler's not done, and, and the uh, the winter break is is always a lot of travel for me. Which QB is Sage? Uh, the Washington State kid, mm-hmm. uh, Gordon, and uh, the kid uh, Luiki from Michigan State, and uh, and then possibly some others uh, further down the line as we get closer to the combine. Sage, what's the number one thing that you find when you um, help college kids who are trying to make that uh, jump? What's the top thing that you find that is the deficiency or the thing that you identify m- most often and tell them, hey, if you want to become a pro- professional quarterback, this is what you're going to have to do, and probably it's lacking at this point. So, I, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, love the college game. I love watching college football, but, you know, if you watch the pro game, the pro game it is different in the sense, at least for me, the quarterbacks have to get the ball out faster. Uh, you see a lot of college quarterbacks holding on to the football longer. Uh, you know, I think the defensive ends, there's not as, not as many premier defensive ends. You've got a lot of pass patterns deeper down the field. Uh, the NFL, the, the pass protection is so tough for the offensive linemen. You got to get the ball out quick and you got to be accurate. So, uh, what I try to do is really teach these guys, uh, various coverages and the fine, fine details of these coverages. So these guys can really, uh, you know, be, so it helps them anticipate. You know, if you can understand coverage uh, a little bit faster, maybe pre-snap or, or post-snap as you're dropping back, that helps you anticipate to throw the ball into smaller windows. That's one thing. Uh, I think number two is the protection. The NFL protections are so much more confusing uh, and complicated than the college protections. There's just so many blitzes that the defenses can give you, different fronts, all those types of things, and, and they will find a way to break down your protections in the NFL. So as a quarterback, the first thing you have to do before you learn all the pass patterns and West Coast offense or whatever system you might be in, you really have to understand the fine, fine details of protections. Those are sort of your lifeline so you can throw the football. So that's kind of a, a an interesting segue in that we've got a couple quarterbacks in this Viking Saints game this Sunday that weren't first round picks that have multiple guys uh, picked in front of them. So to what degree can we go back? And by we, I mean smarter people than us, more like guys like you uh, and NFL scouts and GMs. How can how can teams and and decision makers go back and reverse engineer? Okay, what what did we miss on? This guy, Drew Brees, who, uh, you know, height was obviously a big thing. Kirk Cousins has become one of the top 15 quarterbacks in the world, right? And he was passed up by many teams. So what, what can we learn when we go back and look at guys like Kirk Cousins, Drew Brees, and, uh, and, and what people got wrong in those evaluations or what they saw from a risk standpoint? Yeah, I, I think a couple of things. You know, GMs like to have all these boxes checked off. So, hey, a guy's six foot four, he's 230, he's got a strong arm. Those are all different boxes you can check off but i do think general managers more and more are not worrying about that stuff as much there's a little bit less value there 
And I think they're going, you know what, guys that are six foot, six one, uh, even, you know, five, ten, five, eleven, if they're really special, those guys can play in the NFL, but they have to be good passers. They have to be accurate and they have to make good decisions. And then I remember my rookie year, I'm playing the first game of the season. We're going out there and we're playing, uh, um, at San Diego. And it was before the game and their quarterback's coach walked up to me and, and he had, uh, come to Ames, Iowa to, to scout me, uh, you know, getting ready for the, for the draft and everything. And so I thought that might have been a team that, uh, might, might have picked me. And we talked about Drew Brees and he said, you know, I just love guys who make everybody else around them better. And Brees is definitely that guy. I mean, he went to Purdue. Uh, they hadn't won very many games at Purdue in a long time. And, uh, obviously brought those guys, won the Rose Bowl, which obviously we, you know, we saw yesterday. So, uh, you know, Purdue is a long way from winning Rose Bowls where they are right now, but Brees showed up there throwing the ball 60 times a game, really accurate, great decision maker, and made everybody raise the level of their play to get them to be Rose Bowl winners. And so if I look around and I see, uh, you know, college quarterbacks, and they might be on crappier teams, but if they raise everybody else's level of play and sort of, you know, find a way, even if they only win, you know, they go, they go eight and four, but they're really not a very good football team. If they can raise everybody else's level of play, to me, that's uh, the type of leadership and type of things that you can't really measure. It doesn't mean if they're, it doesn't care if they're six foot or uh, they, they don't have a super strong arm. If they can really uh, sort of, uh, you know, bring everybody to a whole new level that you know, they didn't think existed, those are the types of guys you want in your franchise because, uh, you know, the NFL players, they need that type of leadership too. And that's the hardest thing uh, to be able to measure, you know, at the combine or, uh, or, or at the, the private workouts and those types of things. So I guess the key question becomes this. Can Kirk Cousins do that on Sunday at the Superdome, Sage Rosenfels? You have to maybe play the best football game of his life. Uh, that, that's the way I see it. Uh, this Saints team was, I think, the worst team uh, for the Vikings to want to have to go to and play. I, I think they're you know, maybe the number one, or I think they're the number one or number two team uh, in the NFC. Uh, and obviously playing in New Orleans is a, is a nightmare for a lot of teams to go in there and play. So Kirk's going to have to play. Absolutely great football. Uh, he's got to go toe-to-toe with Drew Brees on his home field. You know, Michael Thomas has been fantastic. Uh, 149 catches this, this year, just amazing. And Alvin Kamara is a, a dual threat out of the, out of the backfield with, you know, over 80 catches, I believe, and, and ran for almost a thousand yards. So, uh, Kirk's going to have to raise his game and also, uh, everyone else is going to have to, uh, you know, play great football. The defense is going to have to play outstanding. And, uh, and I don't know if they'll be able to match up just man for man. Uh, you know, on the Saints offense with Alvin Kamara. They're gonna, they may have to play some unique zone coverages, maybe try to double uh, Michael Thomas in some way uh, and force somebody else uh, to beat them. But, uh, yeah, Kirk's going to have to play great football. Uh, this team likes turnovers. They're plus 15 in turnover ratio, the New Orleans Saints are. So that's going to be a main, main aspect of this game for the Minnesota Vikings and for Kirk Cousins to stay away from turnovers, whether that's interceptions, or they're at uh, you know, some sort of fumble in the pocket. You know, Sage, uh, by the way, Mackie and Jeb with Rami here, uh, getting our Sage football wisdom in on this Thursday, and there's been some speculation. We had our guy Charles Robinson on from Yahoo Sports earlier in the week, and he speculated with inside information that there's a lot on the line for Mike Zimmer and maybe even Rick Spielman in this game because they're both going into last year of their contract. So I guess my question to you is, to what degree do you think this window is open? And how much do you think this game against the Saints and this month of playoffs for the Vikings, how much do you think it's sort of a, a pivot point for the organization? Because it, it does kind of feel like everything is built for this year and next year's not guaranteed, and yet 
they're going to have a really, really tough slate of road games if, if, if they want to make some actual noise in January. Yeah, well, one thing, I'm, I'm not huge on speculation. You know, nobody really knows what that, that relationship is between the Wilfs and Mike Zimmer and, and what their plans are and, you know, what they think of them. Only those, those uh, the ownership group can really answer those types of questions. I will say this, and, and people talk about windows, and I understand this team, uh, you know, they drafted extremely well for a number of seasons, and a lot of those guys are sort of in their prime or maybe on the back half of their prime. Uh, and so that's the window that everyone talks about. But, you know, really good football teams, they just go from one good group to the next. And so, you know, as the, you know, Harrison Smiths of the world and as these guys start to get a little bit older, they find ways to, 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 to draft other good players. And, and whether they're first-round picks that, that hits or whether they, you know, find some, doubt, uh, find some uh, diamonds in the rough, you know, like Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen, you know, later in the draft or even undrafted, you can, uh, you know, you don't have to always, uh, you know, have this really good team and then fall apart and then try to rebuild it again. Uh, I truly believe in the NFL. You can go from a team in their prime that has a window to a couple guys retire. You, you add a couple of good young guys, and then that window just keeps going. And uh, the really, really good franchises, uh, you know, the, the Patriots have had like eight different windows go on over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yet here they are, you know, still in the playoffs and you know, still have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So, boys, I've got some self-doubt right now. I am. I, I thought about this on Tuesday night, and Sage, I am so convinced, or have been previously, that the Vikings are going to lose that it's almost to the point now. I said, you know, hold on a second here. Like there, it, it's still pro sports. It can get weird. It's one game too. It, it's not a playoff series of sorts. Am I wrong to say that that it feels like there's so much built up assumption that the Saints are going to win and potentially among a lot of folks win big that we need to dial this back a bit? And I'm not trying to say that I think the Vikings are now going to win, but I've just become so convinced, oh, yeah, they're going to go and lose that I started to doubt that because every time I feel this strongly in pro sports, ordinarily, lots of times I'm wrong. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I, I think the Vikings are a good football team. Like, listen, this is a team that, with a couple weeks left in the season, was in the playoffs. It's not like they just barely snuck in. Uh, they, they went toe-to-toe with uh, a lot of really good football teams. They beat some good football teams this year. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think they can play with anybody. So I've always thought, uh, you know, if Dalvin Cook gets back healthy, uh, this offensive line plays well, and Kirk hits a couple good uh, passes down the field, uh, and, and our defense, you know, does its job, I think this team can, can, can win this game. I, I'm not, I don't think they... I think they're going to lose the game, to be honest with you. Uh, but it doesn't mean that they uh, that they don't have a chance to win this game. I, I you know, I, I think this is a, a quality football team, this Minnesota team. And and if things go right, they they're one of those teams that you know people don't like playing. You, you don't want to play a team that runs the football well and, and has some stars on defense. Uh, you know, those are the types of teams that uh, you know can knock somebody off on the road. And, and this Vikings team, I think, has a chance, but it's going to have to play. You know, it's best. I, I believe it has. It's going to have to play its best football game of the year this weekend. Uh, when you say uh, that, that Kirk Cousins probably has to play the best football game of his career for the Vikings to win this, uh, he, it's not he, the, the, the thing about that is he doesn't have a ton of reference points to pull from. It's not like he has five games, you know, playoff experience. You know, he's got one playoff game under his belt in his career, and he has had his uh, struggles in some of these big spotlight games. So what what does he pull from, do you think? If, if he's going to put forth the performance needed to beat the Saints – where does that come from in your mind? You know, as I watched that Packers game, you know, a few weeks ago, I, he, to me, he felt sort of, it looked to me like he was a little bit nervous in that game. He was, uh, you know, playing 
uh, you know, sort of maybe not to lose, but he didn't want to make a mistake. And I really do feel he's going to have to go out there and, and be a little bit more of a gunslinger and, uh, and, and maybe take some chances and, and play with, uh, you know, a, a lot of confidence. And, uh, you know, the, the, this team is going to have to play uh, a great game and Kirk's going to have to play a great game. And he can't play tentative. Uh, he can't play scared. He's got to play with a lot of confidence. And, and uh, I, I'm hoping uh, he, he pushes the ball down the field uh, and tries to attack this same secondary. Sage, this might sound weird, but uh, given what we've seen throughout the course of the 2019 season from Kirk and the offense, how important is one simple thing, the first series, their first series offensively? Yeah, you know, the Vikings have had some success with that, that first series, and it seems like, you know, you know, Collar and I always talk about it. You, you sort of go into a game, and I remember Donovan McNabb was like this. If you watch the first series and McNabb didn't play well, it didn't seem like he played well the rest of the game. And Kirk sometimes has that. When that first series doesn't go well, they'll go three and out, or maybe he misses, uh, you know, a, a check down in the flat or just misses somebody uh, on one of those first throws. Um, you know, seems sometimes things seem to uh, sort of domino on themselves and he ends up having this bad bad game. So, I, yeah, he, that, that first series of the game is really, really important. Uh, get him some good completions. Got it. You know, they always say that the first drive, but, you know, for a quarterback, it's the first first down. The first first down is, is so key before you can sort of put a drive together. Uh, so the Vikings get a good first down going. Uh, after that, uh, you know, things can be good for Cousins. So, But he's got to get something good going on that first drive because usually when he doesn't play well or in the game, it carries over for the rest of the afternoon. Uh, well, we're looking forward to it. I mean, I, I look at this as sort of a trilogy, and this is the third fight in a, in a decade of heavyweight playoff fights. And the last two, uh, one that you were uh, on the Vikings for and then the, uh, the Minneapolis Miracle, when these two teams get together in the playoffs – uh, it tends to be really fun, so we're looking, looking forward to it. By the way, you can find Sage Rosenfels on Mondays and Wednesdays at 2 o'clock on Purple Daily with Matthew Collar. Happy New Year. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend this weekend, Sage Rosenfels. See you, Sage. Happy New Year to you guys, and uh, uh, looking forward to 2020. Right on, man. All right, we'll talk soon. And my mic just broke, too. By the way, we recorded that, that earlier in the day because Rami's face was numb from being at the dentist, and... <laughs> You no, need my, help in there? My mic just broke, so I'm holding it. Yeah. I told you to get Jake in here. <laughs> he did tell you to get the engineer here. engineer. When you, were, you were fiddling with that before we even played the Sage interview, and Judd said, go get Jake the engineer. I feel like... A, and you thought, nah, I'll figure it out. I'm, I think I'm he's smart. smart. He's gone for the day. <laughs> I'm a, I feel like a doctor. We need a microphone. Boy, if, I ever, if I ever walked into an operating room and saw Judd Zoll getting scrubs with a... No, that's why I said to get the doctor. No, 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 Judd no. is just a doctor who gives die. the referrals. Yeah. Like, he hears your cough. He's like, you should see a cough I write, specialist. I write prescriptions. You want to go do this. I write microphone prescriptions. I Judd, sends you, Judd sends you to the specialist. He's like, you need to go see the ear, throat, and nose guy. And now you got to hold your microphone. It's very doogie-like. For another hour and ten minutes, too. It's be great. Doogie used to do that because you play with the mic Dude. the entire scoop segment. I can't Jake's do. Gone, by the way, I can't do the whole show watching you hold no. the mic like that. Every time I just look pull over. up the other mic. There's a yeah, just mic grab there. the other mic. What if I hold it like this? <laughs> I think it's sort of fun. I don't know why you guys are killing the joy of watching this. Is this creepy? What if I hold it like this, Ronnie? You're a married man. You can't hold it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we'll figure it out. (laughs) Here's the question for you guys, okay? Here's the question that Rami floated to us before we turned the mics on, before my mic broke. (laughs) 
If the Vikings do indeed put it all together, and by the way, Alex Boone on Purple Daily today made a case for why the Vikings are going to beat the Saints. And Sage Rosenfels talked about, he thinks they're going to lose, but talked about Kirk Cousins playing the best game of his life if that happens. If the Vikings put it all together, then what? Not only for the Saints game, but for the next month. For a playoff run. They they win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying they can win a Super Bowl. I'm saying if the Vikings put it all together, they win a Super Bowl. I would put money on that. If there was some way to put money on that, I would put money on that. Today in Bill Barnwell's article. Well, you can put money on the Vikings winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. You're not guaranteed that they, I'm not guaranteed they they're going to well. put it all together. You have every right to do that. This, yeah. is, this stat blew my mind when I read it today in Bill Barnwell's article. He says uh, the Vikings were seemingly a balanced team. But it was hard to find many weeks in which they clicked on both sides of the ball. Over the first month of the season, we're going to get into some analytics stuff with you here, the Vikings ranked 29th in the league in win probability added on offense and 6th on defense. Over the last month of the season, Minnesota ranked 29th in the league in offensive WPA and 3rd in defensive WPA. In between those two four-game stretches, the Vikings ranked 1st in offensive WPA and 18th in defensive. So you were bookended great defensive performances in the first four games and the last four games with sort of mediocre offense. And in the middle, basically, the opposite happened and you had great offense and mediocre or worse defense. When the offense is clicking, it's one of the best in the NFL. When the defense is clicking, it's one of the best in the NFL. If you have both those things for a playoff run, and they haven't done it yet so far this season, so I'm not saying there's necessarily reason to believe that they will, but if they do, if they're able to put together their top offense and their top defense for a stretch here in the playoffs, the Vikings win a Super Bowl. Wow. Interesting. Uh, I am... I am convinced. If I wasn't fixing my microphone over here, I would have said that's very condescending. Super condescending, Judd. I don't appreciate that. Very interesting. Earlier in the show, I admitted you were right about something. Very interesting. You're going to give me your... Pantic That'd be Min- cool, man. Minnesota. I'd like to see that again. <laughs> I love when insincere Judd what, What's the up. other one? You can find Matthew Collar on 1500.com. <laughs> the Purple Podcast. Also now Saturday Sports Talk. Yes, you 10 guys, to uh, noon with uh, with me. Lots of fun, Matthew. <laughs> Lots of fun. <laughs> That's what that was. Yeah, interesting. That's a great point there, Romy. Very, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say, though, was that... that that offensively, the last month of the season, it makes sense that there was a drop-off because Delvin Cook got hurt. I've contended that since he got hurt, I think it was in October in Detroit, right? That Thielen was not the same player. Now, he had another week off now. Um, so, Kirk Cousins and this offense do go into Sunday's game with pretty much as much firepower as they possibly can. Yeah, The offensive line's not great, but you know what? It's just not going to be great. Well, they, they go in with, with firepower on paper. It depends right, on, but like, are you getting, like... 60% Adam Thielen, that's... Okay, let's say you're getting... Good point. Let's say you're getting 70% Thielen, and let's say Cook is 80%. Yeah. But nonetheless, they've got to respect those guys. It's just that, offensively, they have not had this core group of people together for quite some time, and, and the core group of complementary skill position players is actually pretty good. So I would say that this should give you an opportunity to certainly score points. It might not be perfect, but it gives you that opportunity. Also worth noting, does that sound fair? So it does sound fair. I, I would I would finish the sentence. So if the Vikings put it all together this entire month, 
they can absolutely win the Super Bowl. And if they put it all together, I, w- I wouldn't say it's a guarantee that they win the Super Bowl. But if they, if, the, if they give you the peak of their offense for a month and the peak of their defense for a month. Who else, when they're right, is a top-five offense and top-five defense? Maybe Baltimore? You, you might make a case for the Chiefs lately. The Chiefs lately. And the Patriots you would make a case for, too. But they haven't been top-five offense in a long time. Because these aren't even small sample sizes that we're talking about. Like, with the Chiefs, you're saying, like, for a three or four games of the season, they looked like they could be a top-five defense. Yep. The like, Vikings, like the last month. Basically. With the Vikings, we're talking about half the season. The first four weeks and the last four weeks. Yeah. With the offense, we're talking about half the season. The middle chunk of eight weeks. And I think where where I hesitate is the next month you're going to be playing road playoff games. Are you able to put it together in those environments against those teams? Because guess what? The opposing team also gets to decide, like the Saints offense gets to decide whether your defense puts it all together for a game too. You know, it's right. it's not just up to you to walk in and say, all right, today we're going to be a top five defense again. Sorry, Saints. I mean, the Saints push back at you, obviously, with a Hall of Fame quarterback. And I think... Where the Vikings are sort of stuck in this neutral zone here is the best teams are able to put it all together, so to speak, on a more regular basis and for long stretches. And the Vikings haven't shown that they can do that. But they'll get their chance. Can, you stop, can, can you stop and or, I guess, contain Michael Thomas and Kamara? You're not going to stop either one of those guys. Can you contain them with Breeze distributing the football? And, and if Michael Kendricks does not play on Sunday or tries to play and is a shell of himself, how do you stop Kamara? Well, I think... And the tight end as well, Cook. See, I hear the word stop, and I'm like, the, the, okay, the expectations out of the way. I how think, do you slow them enough to make them... how? So if you get in, let's say you start to go offense to offense, and it's Cousins, who can certainly make some throws. But let's say this is going to end up being just a wild 44-40 game or something. How do you not have those guys torch you? I, let me let me flip the question around for for both you guys and say this. However, you contain them or whatever you do defensively, what would be an acceptable number of points to allow defensively before the game starts? And if someone said, "Hey, you you got the uh, the Price is Right yodeler guy, he's going up the mountain." Okay, what is an acceptable break even point? To like where, what's, what's the line you're drawing for the defense? Because I know if they I, give up this many points, you should win. I don't expect the defense to give up 16 points in this. Like they're going to give up 20 plus points. In I was going to say, I was going to say, like between 20 and 24. See, is what you have to try and hold the Saints. I to. take that and run to the bank right now. If you're telling me right now that, that the Vikings defense is only going to give up 20 or 24 if, points at New Orleans, I sign up for that and don't look back. If you give up 20 points to the Saints on Sunday and leave the Superdome with a win, it's Mike Zimmer's crowning moment as a game planner. I agree because. Because previously it's been, okay, Rhodes is going to play Thomas, and it's going to be great because they're going to put Rhodes on Thomas the entire game, but it's going to be punch thrown here, punch thrown there. But now it's, whoa, 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 you can't do that. So I really think that this extends back to if you win, and let's say you win 27-20, it's Mike's finest moment without a doubt just as far as game planning something that contained him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it'll be, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. This is going to be, there's just so many tentacles to this thing on Sunday. And Judd and I are going to do Vikings Vent Line too. So I hope you're not going to do it. I hope you're not going to try and do, do it while holding the microphone in your hand. It's, it's going to be hard I feel to like take I'm getting a call. workout right now. I've been trying this whole segment not, not to, to look, look at him. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help myself. It's the car crash thing. I can't help but look at him. If you smell. 
No, I, I just rock don't. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I really don't know what to say about this. Well. When we come back, Pete Najarian is going to do some talking. Pete Najarian is going to put a bow on this gopher football season. Ah, uh, see that? It's great. The audience has listen, no folks. Idea, right? For us, it's hilarious. For you, you're like, what's wrong with the guy? But it is what's funny. Happening? What's happening? Uh, Pete Najarian is going to join us when we come back to uh, put a bow on this gopher football season. What did that win mean as a gopher fan, former gopher player, and for the future of the gopher football program? But Federated Insurance, speaking to the Gophers, is here for you business owners out there. A couple different things about Federated. Number one, they've been helping business owners and giving business owners peace of mind since the early 1900s, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. That's over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. Um, The other thing, too, about Federated, they're a very charitable organization. Over the past 15 years, Federated Insurance and the Federated Challenge have raised over $35 million for big brothers and big sisters in Minnesota. Federated is also a proud sponsor of U of M Athletics and turnovers for kids for every forced turnover by the Gophers defense, and they had a big one yesterday. Federated will donate and has donated $1,000 to Big Brothers Big Sisters. They bring that same culture of service and community to your business. To find out more about the industries Federated represents or uh, protects and to find your Federated representative, Go to federatedinsurance.com. Federated, it's their business to protect yours. It truly was a dump. But it was our dump. It was our dump. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Morgan loads it up. Down the middle. Touchdown! Not necessarily a need to do that. Morgan. End zone. That would have been a wild grab for Johnson, but he was out of bounds. Oh, no! They say touchdown! He is a notable former Gopher football star, former professional player, and he knows a lot about how to make you money as well. His name is Pete Najarian. He's a friend of the show. (laughs) And Pete, Judd and I, I mean, Rami's trying to buzzkill it, but Judd and I are sort of on <laughs> cloud nine here after the Gophers' dismantling of Auburn yesterday. Uh, what did mm-hmm. you think, man? Is it fair to say this is one of, if not the biggest Gopher wins since the 1960s? Oh, I think you'd be right to say that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, especially because of the fact that going into the season, there were some questions, although... We all sat out at the state fair and we talked about the schedule. The schedule was favorable for the Gophers, so that made that really um, something that at least gave us a little bit of hope. And I think because of that, and the Gophers getting a little bit better each and every single game, it seemed like, throughout the season, there was something special about this team. Um, not a lot of games that they fold up. Did we start off well against Iowa? No. Or we would have a much better chance to win that football game. And might have got out coached in the Wisconsin game a little bit, but I think the reality is that to, to look at this Gopher team and to see what they accomplished. Now, I think I think when we were at the fair, I thought eight or nine, and I you guys kind of gave me a funny look. I think, <laughs> but I, I'm I sure certainly I did. had no. <laughs> I'm sure I did, Pete. I'd like to apologize for that. I, hey, let me tell you, I know you did. <laughs> but but they walk away with eleven wins and to dominate one of the the SEC teams that everybody considers to be you know somewhere. I mean, these guys were being talked about as a playoff team. And, and, and we put a whooping on them. It was absolutely stunning to me how much we outplayed a team that was 
supposed to be so great and one of you know one of the greats and historically when you look back and you see how they they played this year and and obviously in previous years but the idea that these guys beat up on Alabama in a in a shootout but they they still won the football game they went toe to toe with LSU they had all of that i i can't tell you how impressed i was with how the gophers matched up if you really look at it not only we dominated it almost almost every single category you could imagine if if you take back their one huge play the kickoff return take a look at what their yardage really looked like for the entire game which and it wasn't impressive anyway so i i i can't even tell you i mean i'm almost speechless it's amazing how well we played and how much of a hurting we put on that football team and Pete, what I like too was, especially in the second half, the constant punching. Because the, the golfers yeah. kept punching and punching and punching down to, and, and make no mistake, I, I think this was a, a growth game for Fleck. Fourth and one this time, yeah. and you're up against mm-hmm. it. And, and you know, you should go for it, but you didn't against Wisconsin. And you, you not right. only go for it on fourth and one, Pete, but you throw a pass. I just love the fact yeah. that they took an SEC power, basically, and yeah. just pounded them into submission and kept punching them. I, I totally agree. And we all talked about that fourth down against uh, uh, Wisconsin and, and did we, the fact that we didn't go for it. And then we t- got the delay of uh, a penalty so that we could punt the ball. That was frustrating. That was absolutely frustrating. And I don't know if it's that P.J. maybe learned a little something from that. I don't know if it had anything to do with the fact of the offensive coordinator leaving. Um, but whatever the case, I like the fact that, well, like you said, we pounded it at him. And we ran the football really well. We passed the football really well. Uh, turnovers, we weren't sloppy. Penalties, we weren't sloppy. And the fact that, I'll tell you what, there's a couple of unsung heroes, I think, sometimes on this Gopher team. I love Tyler Johnson, and I've loved him for a long, long time. Minneapolis North kid, I'm always proud of the Minneapolis kids who make do do well at the University of Minnesota. It's just a great thing to see. Ibrahim running the football, but Sam Renner, that kid, it just seems like somehow – He's one of these guys who's an overachiever, and I have to—I bet you half the stadium doesn't even know what his number is, what position he plays. But the guy is disrupting against an Auburn offensive line that a lot of people thought was one of the better offensive lines in the whole SEC. I think LSU was number one, but Auburn would be ranked somewhere in that upper class with Alabama and some of the rest of them. So, you know, the fact that we had a, a couple of young guys that were making plays when when we just don't always expect it or don't don't look for those specific names. But I love seeing what, what we saw out of the Gophers in terms of everybody seemed to participate in every aspect of the game. And really the only letdown I think that we had throughout the whole game was that kickoff return. That was about it. Pete, I need to defend myself and clarify what Phil just said. I wasn't I wasn't trying to buzz kill. So do you really up. think you're suited to be the fourth guy in our group, Buzz Killington? <laughs> what the Gophers are doing right now? All I said was the Gophers made great progress, and PJ Fleck took a huge step forward with that program this year. But if if you were buying that, it wasn't going to change if they lost to Auburn. And if you were one of these people who was doubting Minnesota after the Penn State loss or looking at their their resume for the season you probably still aren't sold on this minnesota gophers program because of one game would you agree with that well i I gotta tell you so if you put together the entire season and like like i say i I honestly i truly do believe this i felt we played better every single week during the season now 
I, I did also, I, I'll qualify that a little bit with the Iowa game where we didn't show up. We thought the game was kicking off two hours later, so we didn't show up in the first half. But, but the reality was, we look at the Gophers, they played well. Tanner Morgan was a guy who I think surprised a lot of people. I think if you look at the Gophers going into next year and you look at the recruiting class that, once again, P.J. managed to get a lot of players from all over the country excited about Gopher football. I think that what stands out for me now is if, if you're a kid sitting at home and you're a junior or a sophomore in high school, you're one of these great elite players from somewhere around the country, and you see – the University of Minnesota in these beautiful uniforms that we've got going up against Auburn and, and, and controlling the football, running the football, uh, passing the football. We held them to 56 yards rushing, uh, two yards per, per carry. It was the domination that I think we put on that game. If you take away that kickoff return, like I said, it really it's, – it's scary how well we played in that game. And I think a lot of kids sitting at home watching that thought to themselves, Wow, I got to look into this, and I like their coach, and I like what's going on, and their quarterback's young, and their offensive line is young, and these guys got a chance to be something maybe very special for not just this year's team and going, you know, with 11 victories, which I don't think anybody thought that was coming, but the excitement of what's going to happen next year. And I think the one thing that I'd be careful of is, well, next year our schedule is going to look a lot different than it did this year. So I think you've got to keep that in mind and maybe pull back the reins just a little bit on the excitement. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I didn't hear that last part. What, what was that? Everything else leading up to I'm it. Sorry, was good. I'm sorry, Pete. I'm sorry, Pete. Can you repeat that? I was like, last... I'm not the only Buzz Killington around here. You know what I say, Pete? Bring on Michigan. Yeah. Don't be afraid. It's not the yeah. same old team. Bring them on. Yeah. They don't scare you. You know, I, I agree with you. I don't think the Gophers are scared of any of them. But I think there is an advantage when during a year where you don't play Michigan, you don't play Ohio State, you don't play Michigan State, and you, and you don't get beat up in those games so that the next week the team's kind of, you know, bruised up a little bit and some of the guys maybe aren't able to play or at least not be able to play at, at an elite level. I think that that's, that's part of the beauty of this season. Now, can we work on that and, and suddenly next year when we do have a tougher schedule – are we competitive enough that maybe we don't get as hurt and maybe we've got a little bit more depth? So I'm just saying pull back the reins a little bit because it is a different game. It doesn't mean that we're intimidated by anybody because clearly the Gophers were not intimidated by Auburn. And if if we're not scared of Auburn, I can guarantee you we're not scared of Ohio State and we're not scared of Michigan or anybody else in the Big Ten. Yeah. But it is favorable when you don't have to play those teams that get beat up and you are playing some of the teams maybe on the lower end of the Big Ten. Uh, Pete Najarian, I think P.J. Fleck is an American treasure. Your thoughts? (laughs) 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 I'll tell you what. It's it's great to have P.J. here. I love his excitement. I love a lot of things about him. There are certain things that I know there are people that get annoyed by uh, some of it. Patrick Royce, he comes to mind about some of the things he's maybe not happy with. But... I'll tell you what, it is special when a guy comes in and with all the bluster, uh, but delivers, right? I mean, so this is year two where we go to a bowl game, we beat somebody in a bowl game that maybe most people think we're going to lose to. Uh, two years in a row we do this, and we finish with 11 wins. Uh, there's got to be something special about what PJ's got going on, and and I never want to forget about the fact that I am so impressed with these guys with the academic side as well. So this is this isn't just a bunch of guys out there that are playing football for the University of Minnesota. Look at these GPAs. Look at what these guys are doing in the classroom and around the rest of the community of Minnesota. 
you got to give P.J. like him, dislike him, whatever. You've got to respect what he's been able to do with the program. So, Pete, when, when you watch this team play, uh, strip away all the other stuff from Fleck. As a football guy, how impressed are you by him as a coach as far as scheme goes? Because it seems to me, and we probably don't talk about this enough because there's so many other facets of P.J. that we do discuss, it seems to me that this guy, and I'm not saying in-game consistently because that's still not there in my mind, but just the scheme, the schematics, and the way that this team, especially offensively, goes about its business is really good. Oh, it's it's impressive. Uh, I, I you know it's amazing. I, we all watched the game. You guys were watching the game. I was watching the game. Um, I didn't realize till the end of the game that we had basically call it 500 yards against Auburn. Uh, it's unbelievable, really, when you really you know break it all down and you look at what we're we're getting five yards of carry. We you know we did we we were very smart. So yes, I think. What I liked about the schemes was that we didn't get away from what our core is, which is some nice play action, some running backs. And I've said for a long time, I think we had three top-end running backs. And you never knew which one was going to be the guy. I mean, Rodney Smith would look to be the starter, and yet Ibrahim steps in there and gets 140 yards. So I like the fact that P.J. is willing to you know, kind of feel his way through as the game is going and try to figure out, Who's going to be the successful guy this week for us? And where is Tanner Morgan going to be looking? Because you know what? There were a lot of games this year where it wasn't Tyler Johnson, but he didn't pout. He didn't, you know, he didn't go off and get angry at the media or any of that kind of stuff. So the fact that Bateman one week, Tyler Johnson the next, Autumn Bell, you go through the running backs the same way. I think that the scheme was fantastic this year throughout most of the year. I thought the offensive play calling was great. I don't know how much we're going to miss the offensive coordinator, whether or not he was 100% the guy, because it really does start at the top. And, and I think when it, when it comes down to it, P.J. Fleck understands offense. He obviously was a wide receiver, but he understands offense very, very well. And I like the fact that we were who we went down to, to Tampa. We stayed that team. We stayed a team that great play action, great play fakes, and Tanner Morgan – Boy, there's just not enough I can say about how impressed I was with the season he had this year. Yeah, he is. Uh, just last thing for you, because they've got they've developed wide receivers. I think we've been looking for the last few years to see. All right, is PJ Fleck going to find a quarterback like he did at Western Michigan? Uh, mm-hmm. What 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 do you think is the Tanner Morgan story here the next couple of years? Do you, is he is he <laughs> is he going to be NFL caliber? Like what what do you see in him? Yeah, you know, that that part's always tough because there are guys who are unbelievable in college and for whatever reason, they are not the next level quarterback. And so, you know, it's one year. Um, it's really difficult to read into Tanner. I know it's a year and a half, call it, but year and a half to read into what Tanner Morgan really looks like as a quarterback. But boy, I'll tell you what he was able to do this year and, and the combination of a, a really big, strong offensive line that, that started to play a little bit better, I think, towards the the latter part of the year, um, that was certainly helpful. Three great running backs, three great wide receivers. I think the the only thing that I would say that the Gophers could do a little bit better would be somehow get tight ends more involved in the football game too because that might open it up even more. And then that maybe puts us at the next level. But I'll tell you what, it, it's tough to, to, to decide right now, Tanner Morgan, if, you know, a young guy still – there are so many good quarterbacks right now, I think, in college football that are going to be able to play at the next level. And I think it's still a little bit early to start trying to figure out where Tanner fits into that, that whole thing. But 
I'll tell you, the, the Gophers offense really, really – that's been something we've been waiting to see for a long time, and I am so impressed with what they accomplished. And I even love what they do with Seth Green. I used to think that was sort of a gimmicky thing. I got tired of the idea that, oh, we're putting in a guy in for this kind of a player or whatever. But you know what? It works. And Seth Green has done a great job in his role as well. So, you know, it's amazing to keep guys happy. And I think Seth Green is happy. I think a lot of the guys understand their roles. If, you, if you've got players that are happy and they're excited to get out there, uh, that certainly does help to get you to the next level to be able to compete and, and be really, truly, you know, one of the elite teams across the country, not just in the Big Ten. Well, Pete, listen, we've, uh, it's, it's been a blast having you on throughout the season, and I'm sure we'll, we'll connect again in the offseason and definitely at the State Fair. But what a, what a time to be a Gopher fan. If you're out there and you've been miserable for decades, you've got, you've got this season at the very least, regardless of what happens yeah. going forward. No doubt about it. Always good to see you and talk to you guys. And I, I'm a, I'm looking forward to the fair. I'll, I'll hopefully talk to you before then. But I'm looking forward to the fair. I'll be walking by, and if I give you a wave and you wave me up, I'll come on up. I look forward to it. Right on. All right. See you. Bring some cookies, thanks. <laughs> see you guys. All right. That is Pete Najarian, former Gopher. Judd is already asking for cookies at the state fair. <laughs> it's just well, like, it's a team thing. Out, no, I'm doing it for all, all of us. Are great cookies. Yeah, Pete can Pete can buy us a bucket, and then he gets on talk golfers, and we eat the cookies. I'm okay with that. I was going to say, what, since when are you going to complain even, about? Even, I'm trying to. Even do, I'm not thinking about my running. snacks seven months out. I like how Alex yeah. Alex Boom wakes up every morning and he's training for an Ironman competition. And like we wake up in the morning thinking about how to train for Sweet Martha's cookies <laughs> buckets at the Minnesota State Fair. I just try to get one leg out of bed and then the second leg out, and to me, that's that's a workout right there. My girlfriend Amazing. audibly laughed at the idea of me doing that stair climb with you and Alex Boone that we talked about today on Score North Live. What is it, 53 stories? It's 53, and some people do it twice. What? What? Yeah. What? It's crazy. No. Yeah. They're in shape. They go up once and then like take the elevator down, elevator down, and they're like, that wasn't enough. I need to go again. Yeah, you raised twice the money. <laughs> it's and, simply not going to happen. And 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 since we so we're we're going to have all kinds of information about this in the next five or six weeks. But we're doing the big climb to raise money against blood cancers again. That's that's what Rami's referencing. MackieLLS dot com. If you want to join our team, and this is the first time we've even thrown that link out today. You know how most so doctors dot com. You know how most doctors will be like, hey man, sometimes take. Take the stairs. Don't take the elevator. Get a few extra steps in. Park in the back of the parking lot, not in the front. Get those steps in. Mm-hmm. My doctor literally told me, avoid stairs at all costs. You don't have, don't run for exercise. Your jumping days are over. Like your knees are going to get replaced at some point. Let's try to put that off as long as possible. I literally can't do this stair climb. Doctor's orders. I'm I want sorry. you to be fat as possible. Don't do anything. <laughs> don't ever get up off the couch. No, there are I ways. I like your doctor. There are ways Smoke to get at least two packs a day. There are ways to like the greatest doctor ever. There are ways Let to me get guess, your, your doctor's exercise. fat. No, he's not. He's in great shape. There are ways sure to get is. exercise and, and be in shape without running <laughs> and a going upstairs. <laughs> do yoga. You're Pilates. Your doctor was the corn dog. Have you, guys, <laughs> have you guys ever had a fat doctor before? Oh, yeah. I yeah. had not. No, I wouldn't go to a fat Two doctor. Two doctors ago, the guy, I'm like, dude, I love you because <laughs> you can't tell me I'm fat because you're fat. I won't go to a fat doctor or a skinny chef. <laughs> Those are just. You oh, there's a lot of skinny chefs. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be. I had a fat doctor call me like four or five years ago in a panic. This is when Judd and I were doing our show together. He called me in a panic after my physical and he goes, Hey, we got to do something about your cholesterol. And I was like, Doc? <laughs> really? Look in the mirror. Yeah. 
That's what I like about it. Why is that guy your doctor? If you can question his authority on what you should be doing with your health, why is he your doctor? Just to make you feel better yes, about yourself? because you feel good about yourself. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Right. I didn't choose him, for the record. Sure. He chose me. Family doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor's like, Phil, we got to do something. Man, am I out of shape. <laughs> about your cholesterol. <laughs> we laid a meal plan for you. Doc, what do you mean, poke him in the stomach? <laughs> but it didn't look like your meal plan. Corn dogs. <laughs> Nothing but corn dogs. <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, it's good to have the show back at full strength today. Very much. And I do welcome you guys to join for the big climb on, I believe it's going to be February 15th is the Judd, are you date doing to it? circle. What's the date? February 15th. Oh, let me check my the calendar. The day after your romantic uh, Valentine's night, I'm sure. Oh, oh, you're doing it the day. Whoa! That's a heck of a time to get me out of the house. It's going to be great, yeah. Uh, Alex Boone is committed to it, and uh, we'll see if uh, if anybody else wants to join. MackieLLS.com. Of course he is, because he, he's going to go like eight stairs at well, one he, time. No, he like legitimately, he has participated in like Navy SEAL training yeah. out in San Diego. He's doing an Ironman competition. But he said he basically jumps upstairs, right? Yeah, he goes like three or four stairs at yeah, a time. He bounds three or not like not like lumbers three or four yeah. steps at a time. He bounds, leaps three or four like steps tigger. at a time. He was trying to shame me into doing this stair climb today. What Alex Boone doesn't realize, I have no shame. I have zero shame. Correct. I can't be shamed. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. Well, he's gonna uh, he's gonna make us all look like idiots. But I think it would be fun if Rami came and at least tried to go up like two or three flights before his knees just evaporated into before thin air. my doctor tackles me and he's like, "What are you doing?" Uh, when we come back, quarterback cesspool challenge playoff edition, oh, gentlemen. Excited. No longer do you get to cling to the Mitch Trubisky's and the David Blows of the world. You gotta pick. You gotta pick a playoff quarterback. Jonathan here with a Score North download. Let's take a look at the injury reports as we head into the weekend for the Vikings versus the Saints. Eric Kendricks limited in practice this week. The other notable Alexander Madison was a full participant as or again this week. He was a full participant yesterday, full participant today. And according to our own Danny Cunningham, Ryan Saunders says that Towns, Wiggins, Teague, Bonley, and Graham are all out tonight for the Wolfer the Wolves. I don't know what I was saying there. Wolfers? Wolves? The Wolfers. Wolfers. That's, I'm combining yeah. two things. The Wolfers is what their new nickname is after this last <laughs> They might as well be period. the Wolfers. Yeah, man. The Wolves versus Golden State. That game. Tonight. So no Towns, no Wiggins, no Teague, no Vonley, no Graham. So, Rami, what does a like, Wolfer sound half like? Half the roster. What does a Wolfer sound like? Yeah. I, don't, I would need to know what a Gopher sounds like <laughs> to know what a Wolfer sounds like. Gophers are choppy. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. What was that sound again? Gophers are choppy. They go... Like that. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Wolfers, I'm that's, not sure. That's been your score north download and your animal sound update. <laughs> Back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. It's hard being a quarterback in the NFL. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. Each week, Mackie, Judd, and Rami look for the worst of the worst quarterback performances. The interceptions. The strip sacks. And it pulls out again. And the Bills recovered again. The ineptitude. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful. It's the quarterback cesspool challenge on Score North. And that's the fifth interception today. All right, gentlemen. Uh, with all of us scattered about for the Week 17 period, we didn't do our picks. Well, his 
I did my pick anyways. I was ready to make my pick. I, I was fourth. I was waiting for two and three to go after mm. Phil made his pick. I never yeah, saw I tried, Judd or Jonathan make their pick. I tried Mannion, but I think Phil took him, and then I didn't see a follow-up, so I just quit. <laughs> <laughs> so Judd derailed the Week 17 well, no, no picks. one got back to me, because Jonathan said on Twitter, do you want to do this? And we're all like, yeah, okay, cool. And then I said Mannion, but then you said him, and then I didn't get a response from Jonathan. Well, you didn't have the first pick. pick. Right, but I'm saying... But Phil then, chose Mannion, then it was up to Judd. Was Mannion, Mannion like from a QBR perspective, was he as bad as the traditional numbers? Uh, let me see. I don't he know. was pretty bad. It was probably it was not good. If he's below a 10, I want to win. I don't think he was below a 10. I think there was only one guy below a 10. I feel like Two you robbed me of a victory here. I felt uh, like the whole was... thing just derailed and got forfeited. He was not below a 10. There was two guys below a 10, Jacoby Brissett and Matt Barkley. Jacoby Brissett? Oh, Matt Barkley. I didn't Barkley. know Matt Barkley even played last week. Interesting. Wait. Matt Barkley plays in the NFL still? I guess. Wow. Plays for the Bills. Kind of, anyway. Okay. All right. Sean would, Mannion was a 24.7. Oh, yeah. Okay. Heck of a... You, you lose. Yeah. Case so, Keenum was below him. Uh, two weeks ago... Of course he was. <laughs> I, picked, I picked Tom Brady, and he posted the best QBR, a 1 to 100 scale of any quarterback in the NFL that we've picked in this game this season with a 90, so... Uh, so I, I lost. Followed by um, a top three worst performance of his career in Week 17 against the Dolphins. Yeah. We're off by one week. I I by one week. Yeah, yeah. You knew he was due. Uh, Judd, you had Jameis Winston in Week 16. He was a 41.6. Not terrible. David Blau for Jonathan. Uh, but the runaway winner from Week 16, Rami Makloff, with his second victory of the yeah, season buddy. here and identifying the crappy quarterback performances, Will Greer posted a 9 QBR on a 1 to 100 scale. A Congratulations. A, a nine? 9 QBR. Nice work. On a 1 wow. on 100 scale. So on the season, Jonathan with seven victories. Seven times has he picked the crappiest quarterback of the bunch. Judd, you have picked the crappiest quarterback six times. Rami twice. And me once so far this year. And we're going to unveil. We'll go around quickly here. Playoff wild card weekend quarterback cesspool challenge. So no longer do the Matt Barkleys. But unless the field you, is, you want. the field is now reset, right? We can no, sh- no. Oh, okay. I don't think it should be reset. Uh, There's not enough guys off the board to reset it. I mean, I'm at the disadvantage. I picked Tom Brady already. Okay, so, wait. So it's so we can't. We still can't take guys who we've already taken. Correct. Yes. All right. And we're only going to do okay. this for the next two weeks while we have four games in play. Oh, I thought we'd reset the field. I'm just We are not resetting the field. Oh, I don't know what to do anymore. So if you if you <laughs> okay. thought you were going to pick Kirk Cousins again. <laughs> I don't think I picked Kirk you Cousins. Have, you have to pick a quarterback you haven't Hold on. already picked. I, I'll call up the list. I got you the did not pick Kirk Cousins. Okay, okay so I go first. Man, so I have the fourth pick. We're looking for the, the only person who picked Kirk Cousins. We're okay. looking for the worst quarterback performances of mm-hmm. Wild Card Weekend. Mm-hmm. And I will start, because we go reverse order of the last week's standings. I will take... Carriage turning into a pumpkin, Ryan Tannehill against the Patriots defense. Ryan Tannehill. All right. Who's next? Uh, Judd, you are. Oh, then I'll take Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I thought Phil was going to take him, so I'm happy. No faith. Okay. No, I have limited faith. I have limited faith. Well, Corky Boy is going to step up. Well, that takes out my top two, and I can't choose That'll my be third because I already chose Josh Allen, so I'm going to take Carson Wentz. That's all. That's not a receivers. Bad Take Carson Wentz. Yeah, it's a good one. I know I've done this a lot this season, sometimes facetiously, tongue in cheek, just to annoy you guys. But have I have I burned my Josh Allen pick? Should we tell? Him? Uh, yes, you I have. have. Okay, you I have thought, burned I your thought, Josh. I Allen. thought I had. You All threatened right. to burn it like four times during the course of the season. Give me Tom Brady. There it is. 
Okay. He's been terrible outside of the one good game that I picked him in in Week 16. Outside of the fact that they're now going to make a run to the Super Bowl because they're the Patriots. He finished with the 16th best QBR this season. And they know all of Tennessee's just plays. barely over Because they taped them all. I was going to go, I was gonna go <laughs> Josh Allen just because I thought the Patriots will probably advance despite a bad yep. game or an average game from Tom Brady, so I would have that to burn later. But if you're telling me I already burned Josh Allen, then uh, I think Tom Brady's my best option. There it is. Football. <laughs> Those are your quarterback cesspools. Patriots know all of their play calls, everything. But I'm sure Brady will have a bad game. No. Uh, Judd, you've been sprinkling these in throughout the last couple weeks on both Vikings Ventline and on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Your what-if Minnesota sports things or happenings of the last decade. This, the things that what if this would have happened Yeah, yeah. as we come to the end or now we are at the end We're of the, the decade. End. Okay, so I'm going to throw out one that I think I might have thrown out on Ventline at some point in time, but we didn't explore it completely, and I think it's uh, it's appropriate with the Vikings preparing to play the Saints on Sunday. I'm going to go to a what-if from something that happened on the afternoon of August 30th, 2016. What if Teddy Bridgewater does not dislocate his knee, does not tear his ACL, remains the Vikings QB, and I would guess is now would be, if that was the case, working on a contract with the Vikings today, which would make him a rich quarterback, but he would now have been in place for several years, and he would be starting, let's let's say that... um, the Vikings' success or record of 2019 is mirrored with Bridgewater. He would be starting on Sunday against Drew Brees instead of being his teammate. What What would have happened in Zim's world, mm. in the Vikings' world, if Teddy doesn't get hurt? And the plan then for their quarterback works out. No Bradford trade, no Cousins contract. So you're assuming it works out. That's the what if. Well, yes. The what you're if assuming is, Teddy Bridgewater what if pans is, out into yes, something. Yep. All right. What if it works out as they had planned? Which, by the way, it looked like it probably would. Uh, I think I'm trying to go back to that 2017 NFC Championship game. Yeah. Because I know the Vikings defense gave up 38 points or whatever it was, and the Vikings defense gets the most criticism, and Mike Zimmer, and the defense definitely deserves criticism for getting smoked in Philadelphia. But when you take a 7 nothing lead and your quarterback throws a ridiculous pick six to just suck all the momentum out of your sails and just throw it over to the Eagles sideline. If Case Keenum doesn't throw that pick six, do the Vikings, do, does that game play out differently? They're up seven, nothing. They're driving. They're driving. Yeah, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater quite throws possibly. that pick six. I think that game is different. I think the Vikings go to the Super Bowl if they don't give the game right back to the Eagles after the Adam Thielen touchdown. I think it was Adam Thielen that scored the touchdown. Let's no, go up seven nothing. Uh, Rudy Kyle right? Rudolph did. Okay, yeah. Cover, so cover. I think and 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 I think Teddy Bridgewater wow. at his best is better than Kirk Cousins at his best. So here comes Rami with the boomstick, though. To, yeah, he's not a Bridgewater fan. I think he's a, an average or slightly above average quarterback, and you've probably learned that by now and have moved on to another quarterback. You probably don't have Kirk Cousins, but you've probably moved on to. I don't know Nick Foles by now. Somebody, somebody in the last two or th- two or three years who hit the free agent so you, market. You don't think if, if he does not get hurt, you don't think he continues to grow? I don't, th- I, don't, I don't. I don't think that there was a whole lot there to grow into. I don't think the ceiling is that high for Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, in in different ways, but like Kirk Cousins, is only going to be as good as whatever is around him. I don't. I don't think he's a guy who 
Now, may, maybe the the leadership aspect of it, the inspirational part of it, because people do seem to like Teddy and react to him on a team and in a locker room. But as far as his play on the field, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater lifts the people up around him to another level of play. I just uh, don't see that. In I think I think a lot of the people around him would say that he is, in terms of like behind the scenes leadership and accuracy and things like that, that there was a lot of potential. And this is the debate. Like, this is the tough part about the debate. We're we can't go back and put the toothpaste back in the tube. Now, Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus tweeted this scenario earlier today. Free agent Teddy Bridgewater, just 27 years old, steps into the breach left by departed 42-year-old Tom Brady and gives the Patriots a viable starting quarterback for another decade of Bill Belichick dominance. That would put Bill Belichick into like his mid-70s, I was by the way. Say, how hard is Belichick? Ted, Teddy's been hanging on to succeed Drew Brees. What if he succeeds Tom Brady instead? That's kind of a fun scenario. He'd be a pretty good fit, actually, I for them, too. Yeah, short little passes, accuracy, can, don't turn yeah, the ball over. Because Tom Brady is also a glorified game manager. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater would be, be perfect. smart. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Royce, we have about 10, 11 minutes for you to apologize to Gopher fans. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Well, first I want to say, mentioning Teddy Bridgewater and Tom Brady in the same sentence is like mentioning drug and sanity. <laughs> wow. A happy New Year to you, too. <laughs> And I got one other thing I want to say. Rami, I was all in on your perfectly mathematical brilliance with the 4 8 and 4 uh, comparison on the Vikings. It was great. Thank you. You know what, you know what Tom Kelly used to say? What's the that? First 40 games, you're trying to find out what you had. The next 80, you're trying to get into position. In the last 40, you're either kind of trying to win or trying to experiment. So it's perfect. You and Tom Kelly, both, you have the same math there. Judd did not appreciate it. I was I was offended for you that Judd did not appreciate it. Well, thank you, that, Pat. Sir. It's not often you're on my side, and I thank you for it. I thought it, it was so. a great point. I, I have no right. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, your enthusiasm was kind of like the time it's, I talked to uh, Joe about my uh, my one pancreatic cancer square and uh, scare, and he said, uh, "What's coming up on the ride?" With his response, <laughs> 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 so I thought you kind of treated uh, Robbie in that same fashion. As far as Gopher fans are, they remain a bunch of uh, belly crawling morons. But uh, yesterday they got to see. A uh, well-prepared team that uh, definitely wanted to play more than the other team did, and also an underrated team, certainly offensively, uh, that the Gophers have been all year. There's, uh, uh, they've, they've had uh, they've had wonderful offense, and the emergency of uh, the emergence, not emergency, the emergence of Tanner Morgan, I think, is one of the great surprises in the country as far as football is concerned. Don't you? Yeah. Everybody, when Anikstead got hurt, they thought, wow, what are the Gophers going to do for a quarterback? Now, if you're one of those freshman freshman kids this year that got registered, you got to be thinking about transferring, don't you? I mean, it's a good problem to have if you're the Gophers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, it's a good problem to have unless you're the quarterback who's got to wait two more years to play, you know. If that uh, that Jacob Clark kid, I think Kramer will probably stick around, but one of those guys. But, yeah, he was great again yesterday. And do you think Taylor at Tyler Johnson got a little sick of hearing about how he was the second best receiver on the team? How about that catch, man? That was incredible. How about the whole game? 12 for yep. 
200 yards against that outfit. Wow. He was impressive. You know, the thing about bowl games is, though, I've always said this, uh, unless, you know, in the old days when you were playing in a, uh, one of the big four, you, you could count on everybody being fired up and ready to go. But it, a lot of it is who wants it more. And I'm not saying that Auburn didn't want it, but there was no comparison between which team wanted it more yesterday, the Gophers or Auburn. And uh, they just took it to them. Yeah. And it was very impressive. It was very impressive. Um, what do you and, think? What 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 do you think is now that they've gone eleven and two and they've had a couple wins against top twelve teams? What do you think this program? I mean, is this is this the peak? Do you think they come back? Do you think he's do you think he's building something that will keep progressing forward? Where are you at with this program, Pat? So it's interesting because uh, you know at this point you got to say they've done a pretty good job of coaching guys up because they don't get that many. For they got again this year. Their recruiting class is twenty five deep, but they only have two four stars. I think what, what I see the stat was yesterday. And I don't know if Auburn had well, what, three, two or three five stars, thirty some four stars, and everybody else three stars. And the Gophers have uh, made this improvement with uh, with three star players yeah. basically, and uh, they they certainly you know even. You know, I, I would guess that when the transfer pool opens up here, uh, you know, as it, as it has lately, grad transfers and stuff, we'll be able to land a couple of those kids because they're certainly going to be on the map with those guys more than they were in the past. You know, go, go to Minnesota and you got a chance to win the last year. You know, play one more year as a grad transfer and you got a chance to win. But, uh, you know, they've done it with, uh, you know, they're not doing it with – Four and five stars like the southern, the the southeastern conference guys are. Now you also got to wonder if uh, because a guy signs with a southeastern conference, but if he's got three or four southeastern conference teams looking at him, does that make him automatically a four star? I don't know. But uh, they have not done it with. They've done it with solid recruiting classes, but not fantastic recruiting classes. And these seniors, these Tracy Clay seniors, they were all three stars. I guess Coughlin was a four star, right? Yeah, I think that's right. But but Tyler Johnson was a three star. Winfield kid was he might have been a two. He was uh he was not uh, exactly that well thought of. And turns out he's probably gonna be a second round drafter. What do you think Tyler got himself back in the late second round yesterday? I think that might be a little high, but I'd say third round, probably, right? Third third because yeah, it, it was like fifth before. Third or fourth round. They did my guess. They uh there's so damn many uh, great receivers out there this year. He didn't get invited to the senior bowl, you know. Right, which is pretty pretty phenomenal. Maybe he can get a late breaking invitation after that performance yesterday. Here's my question: Why do we have bowl games today? Now, there's two bowl. Uh, why? why? Why are we doing this? Because ESPN can't put them all on TV. They got to, uh, you know, these are what? There's forty of them. And uh, ESPN has the rights to about thirty-six of them, and they got to spread them out a little bit, don't they? That's uh, it's, it's what ESPN. If you're not a major bowl, if you're not one of the top eight or nine, you play what ESPN tells you to play. So that would be my reasoning on that. Hey, John, are you burnt out on bowl games uh, already? I've, I've had, what, no, what I mean? just have. I've had enough. John and I the other day it's talked just about over. just it's contracting over. college football as a whole to about fifty programs total. 
I'd be fine with yeah. that actually. Well, at least great. like the top tier. And I said youth sports too. That'd make how yeah. Contract Judd, everything. Judd wants to go all the way down to like eight year olds. He wants to contract everything. Right, Judd, if, well, you're, if got, you're forced to watch Little League World Series or like the Boca Raton Bowl, which one are you choosing? <laughs> I'd contract them all. I, got, uh, I hate the Little League World Series. Amen. Amen. But. Uh, uh, yeah, Rami, uh, at the start of this decade, you would have been eliminating the Gophers if you got the, if you took the top fifty uh, programs. Probably true. Gophers. That is probably <laughs> the true. Would have, the Gophers would have been playing Mankato State. So. But fair is fair, Pat. And if the Gophers have to go, then I guess the Gophers have to go. <laughs> I tell you, the team has got to feel bad today. Got, they were ten points better than Oregon. God Almighty, was that brutal? Uh, they get the, the punter drops the ball and they give him a touchdown and then this uh, wide receiver, this Davis, uh, fumbles to give him the winning touchdown and then when they're going to drive down and maybe kick a field goal and win the game, he gets that stupid penalty blocking downfield. They, and they, went, they had four turnovers, I think, right? Well, yeah, and I thought the officiating was fan- the officiating was fantastic on that, that play. As far as I'm concerned, I, I mean, just you know, just wonderful well, it was officiating. Kind of a ticky tack, but uh, you know, it was you know you can't you can block them kind of, but you can't push them. That's what the that's what the boy they were by the Rose Bowl. I remember the Rose Bowl used to be very prestigious. They had about the ninth teamer as far as refereeing experts did they? It's not like they find some guy out in the parking lot and uh, got him to come in and be the referee. Yeah, 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 anybody out here referee a game? They raise his hand and said, "Okay, hey, we need an expert. Can you be our expert?" Uh, Pat, what, uh, well, we'll be waiting for your uh, your ten tweet apology to those Gopher holers later tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Oh, I tell you, this is when the Gophers win. It's great fun with these guys because then you can really agitate them. So. <laughs> They're, they're really fun to get down to. They're the biggest. They are wonderfully uh, easy to sucker weenies, I'll tell you that. Go for fans. <laughs> That is Patrick James Royce right there, everybody. Yes, All right, yes. we'll see you, Pat. They keep me young. They keep me young. <laughs> they keep you unchained is what they do. Yeah, they do. Which is good for the podcast. Okay. All right. See you. All right, see you. I love how, like... He doesn't. He's not able to just say, or just doesn't want to say. You know what? No, he doesn't want to. All right, Bill you know, for fans. Uh, I'm still you, hurt from the shot at me. That was so unnecessary. I mean, he's right. Drive-by. He was right about that. But <laughs> when it comes to Pat and his relationship with Gophers fans, I am in awe that a guy of Pat's age from his generation has mastered the art of Twitter trolling and just troll just trolling in life in general to the degree in which he has. That that's usually a skill reserved for people in like Jonathan's generation, Declan's generation, Danny's generation. Even guys in our age group haven't mastered the art of trolling to the degree that Patrick Royce has. And if you're not following him on Twitter and admiring that trolling, you are doing yourself a disservice. Uh, Score he, North he, listeners. he is an impressive troller. It's so good. He is. He's so good at but it. But he's, he's just been so wrong on P.J. Fleck <laughs> for three years. Who cares? He just has been. Fine. You don't, have to, you don't have to be right to be a troll and good at it. It's true. That's the point. It's true. Oh, he's good at it. The man is good. He's yeah. mastered it. Man. Well, I know he knows that it bugs Gopher fans, so he won't stop, which is part of the game. So I tweeted out, I can't remember, I tweeted out like three or four celebratory-like tweets after the Gophers beat Auburn. And like, 
one in every three responses was tagging Pat. You know, just... <laughs> right? But he loves it. Yeah, you're doing you're doing, you're doing exactly what he wants you to do. Yeah, you're falling for the you're falling for the banana in the tailpipe, and, and then they and then they get mad, and then Pat likes it more, and Pat, oh, it's just it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. So I don't know. I think uh, I think I think you're going to wind up seeing because the, the Gophers recruit early. Usually, the Gophers are one of those like get out in the spring and get a bunch of verbals and stuff. I think you're going to see, they're like a borderline top 30 recruiting class this time around. I think Brewster had like a 27th recruiting class, but like didn't know how to drive the cars. Oh, great. I bought an Aston Martin. And that's also uh, depends on who. I don't have my license. Who, I don't know what I'm doing. Who ranks it for you too, you know? Well, these are, I'm looking at like the three main like, ones. I think Brewster at times had had friends that he'd be like, oh, they, they, these kids are great. And then, oh, okay. Right. And right. then how do we get he'd this, give them three scoops. to a four, this two to a three exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. So, pro quo. Uh, write that down. The first write that down session of the new year. Are we? Tomorrow. Are, are we, we ready done to crown a no? champion? Yeah. Or? There's some math to be done because one of us predicted 30 bowl games. That would be Jonathan. And then Harrison. there's some things that probably remain out in the there ether. Are. Correct. We'll, we'll do the math tomorrow. 